Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God's into diversity, and the unity comes around the unity of the Spirit. One God, one Father, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's what we're united about. And the other things, we have freedom to have diversity. So no one church or movement or denomination is singled out for blessing and a revival. The whole body of Christ experiences the blessing. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Mark, chapter 9, verses 38 through 41, in a message titled, All for One and One for All. Now, here's Pastor Brian. In the early days of our plant, I was young, arrogant, 23 years old, and still in desperate need of discovering the historical vastness of God's kingdom while unlearning the harmful suspicions uh, that enslaved me, disallowing me to extend genuine friendship to good brothers like Tom. And he goes on to talk about this beautiful reconciliation and thing that's really. So what he's talking about, I know all of this because I lived through all of this. So back in the 80s, Vineyard and Calvary Chapel used to be one. And then there was a split among us. There was a difference of opinion. There were different theological views on certain things. None of them had to do with any essential doctrine. They had to do with more uh, practices and things related to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the differences were probably significant enough for us to separate. But as I reflect back on it now, I think we really did a poor job of navigating that separation. Because rather than agreeing to disagree agreeably and just recognizing that, okay, you guys are going in this direction, we're going in this direction, God bless you as you go, we started warring with one another. And I think the most aggressive assaults came from our side against the vineyard to the point where in in some of our Calvary Chapel churches if a person was playing a vineyard song uh, we were suspicious about that like you know you shouldn't play that music and so this this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about this is this is uh, an actual illustration as I've said here this is the kind of stuff that I know breaks the heart of God breaks God's heart. I have four kids. I love each one of them separately and and passionately. And the one thing I will not allow any of them to do is talk about the other. They want to talk about their brother or sister. It's like, oh, nope, nope. Don't want to hear it. (laughs) I don't want to hear that. And I think with God, our father, when he sees his children slandering one another and, and judging and, and being critical and all this. This grieves the Holy Spirit. This is the kind of thing that grieves the Holy Spirit. So this is the kind of stuff that we just cannot keep doing. We can't erase the past, but we can surely seek our best to not repeat it. And, and as we go forward, as we want to see God do a work, as, as we're praying 
you know, that God will pour out his spirit. You know, sometimes I think it's so funny how we, you know, God pour out your spirit. And we're just thinking like pour out your spirit right here on us, just us. This is the holy huddle, Lord, and everybody else out there. You know, it really doesn't even work that way. Anybody who's ever studied the history of revival or outpourings of God's spirit, this is what you find out. God pours out his spirit on all of his people. When I was young, I I came out of uh, a nominal Roman Catholicism. And in my younger days, I was a huge critic of the Roman Catholic Church, and I was always looking for an angle to preach against it. And I did outgrow that, thank God. But I was, you know, I have a really good friend, one of my best friends, as a matter of fact. He's been here. He's filled in for me a while ago, Richard Semino. Richard and I got saved out of similar kinds of backgrounds. He got saved out of Catholicism. I did as well. And we've been friends for almost 40 years. And for for whatever reason, I just never heard all the details of his conversion until like six months ago. We were in a conversation and he was telling me the details. And here was the interesting thing. He said, you know, I was led to the Lord by a Roman Catholic I was discipled in my Catholic church. Somebody introduced me to Calvary Chapel, so I started coming over and listening to Pastor Chuck and taking his messages back to my Catholic church and sharing them with everybody there who were all so excited about Jesus. It's like, wow, can you do that? (laughs) Is that even possible? Now, I didn't say that now, but I, I, I might have said that back then. But you see, it's all just based on, really, it's based on ignorance sometimes. It's based on pride and all of these different kinds of things. So here's the question. How is it we so often behave in such an un-Jesus-like manner in these things? And when I say an un-Jesus-like manner, I'm contrasting Jesus with the apostles here. The apostles, they see this man, he's doing this, he's not part of us, stop him, tell him to stop it. I mean, think of the poor demon-possessed person. It's like, well, leave him alone, he's trying to (laughs) deliver me. No, he can't do it. You have to stay demon-possessed because he's not part of our club and we're not gonna let that. And they come back to tell Jesus, and I'm sure they thought, Lord, this is great. I know you're gonna be so proud of us. Guess what we did? Jesus is, you know, I can't believe it. Why do we do this? How is it that we do this so often? Well, there's five things that I'm going to just touch on really quickly. Number one, we do it because of our sinful human nature. This is what sinners do. But Paul puts it this way in writing to the Corinthians. He says, he says, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? In other words, Paul's saying, look, you're believers, you're Christians, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, but you're not acting like it. You're not behaving like it. You're behaving like people who don't have the Spirit. And he says, for where one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Paul says, this thing is carnal. When we say that our group is the best and only group, that God really is with or is going to honor or bless or any of that. Uh, we're, we're, that's a carnal perspective on things. Secondly, it's due to demonic influence. And this has been the, one of the devil's greatest weapons, divide and conquer, like I said. 
and, and just to get the church all divided up, all fighting against each other. Because if we're fighting against each other, guess what we're not doing? We're not fighting against the real enemy. And so the enemy himself will try to stir things up among believers to get us distracted from the real battle. And James chapter 3 touches on this. James says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And then he says, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Wow. Envy and self-seeking. And so often, I have to say, so often, especially on the level of leadership, uh, the divisions come because of envy of that other person over there. It, it's because I, I want to have those crowds. I want those, those people to be coming and listen to me, not to that person. Oh, if they knew what I know about that person, they would leave his church and come to mine. See, that's envy and self-seeking. Paul says that's demonic. But also, number three, it's a failure to understand the nature of the one body of Christ. We are one body. We're, we're one body. You have brothers and sisters all over the planet. And they go to all different kinds of churches. They go to Anglican churches and Presbyterian churches and Baptist churches and Methodist churches and Catholic churches and Orthodox churches. They go, they go to all different kinds of churches. They're God's people. They love Jesus. They don't do everything the way we do. But they love the Lord. And we, the failure to understand that, Paul says in Ephesians 4, I mentioned it earlier, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in, one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Wow. There's just one Lord. There's just one faith. There's just one baptism. And I've traveled quite a bit and I've met people all around the world who love Jesus but have a different tradition have a different background have a different method of doing things it's a failure to love according to 1 Corinthians 13 Paul writes this he says love suffers long and is kind love does not envy love is not puffed up it does not behave rudely thinks no evil, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. You see, when I hear about another Christian group, what's my first thought? And I think many leaders have fostered in people, sometimes it's, it's more severely uh, just an, an absolute condemnation condemning kind of an attitude but but other times it's just more of a suspicion we're just suspicious of you you know it's like well just don't you know don't hug or get now because you know we're kind of just not quite sure about you and but love believes all things you see a brother or sister Cheryl and I were talking about how in you know we always talk about the early days of Calvary and all that man back then it was just everybody just loved each other you met another Christian, you're like, oh, another Christian, ah, wow, this is great. You didn't meet another Christian, you go, what, what church do you go to? <laughs> What's your doctrinal statement? All right, well, how you doing? Good to meet you. Oh, you didn't do that back then. You just were excited about loving other people because, man, they loved you and it was all 
great. Failure to love and number five, spiritual immaturity. There's another story that's like this in the sense that the attitude is the same. The context is different, but the attitude is the same. In Luke chapter nine, we have the story of James and John. They were the sons of thunder. They had this, there's the story of how they were, they were passing through Samaria. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. It was obvious that that's where he was going. They were passing through Samaria and the Samaritans, they were not open receiving Jesus. And James and John say, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven like Elijah did and consume these people? And Jesus said, oh, brother. Jesus said, you guys don't know what spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy people's lives. He came to save them. And, and see, this is spiritual immaturity. You don't know what spirit you're of. They're so immature, they don't even get what Jesus came to do. He came to save lives, not destroy them. These people are not receiving us. Let's call down fire. And that, that is the attitude of the immature. Now, John, of course, John writes the gospel of John many, many, many decades later, right? John writes the 17th chapter where Jesus there prays for a unity, where he prays for us to love one another and to be one as uh, he and the Father are one. And then John, later writing his own epistle, listen to what he says. He says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I wonder if John was thinking back on this moment. See, because at, at this particular moment that we read about in Mark, John's thinking, this guy's not really a believer. He's not part of us. Now John writes many decades later, he says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God, that, that's, they are born of God. And that's true. Whoever believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is born of God. And they are part of the universal body of Christ. And we are one with them. And even though we have different views and opinions and doctrinal things on secondary issues, we all have the common faith in Jesus. So if we ever hope to see a great outpouring of God's spirit, I think it has to start with love and unity among ourselves. Why does anybody want to join a quarreling family? What is, what, you know, if, it, man, you know, if you go over to somebody's house and they start a big fight, you're just like looking, oh gosh, how do I get out of here? This is so uncomfortable. And we're inviting people, come and be part of the church, come be part of this family, but wait, don't go to that one. Oh no, wait, you're gonna stay away from those people over there. I mean, right away, that, I think we just undid the message that we were trying to send. So we have to cultivate love and unity in our own midst. Psalm 133 says this. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren, brothers and sisters, to dwell together in unity. And then it says this, for it is like 
the oil running down the beard of Aaron. What does that mean? Well, Aaron was the priest, and the oil symbolized the anointing that was upon him. And when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, there's an anointing. That's what we long for. We, we long for the anointing of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And the power of the Spirit comes through the unity of the church. And as we set aside our differences on those non-essential things and we just say, man, we're, we're together for the gospel. We're together for the kingdom. Let's work to see people come to faith in Jesus and just rid ourselves of the criticism. See, that's the thing. We just tend to be so critical. Well, they, we don't do it that way. Or they don't. I, I was at a, a service the other night that had a, a liturgical aspect to it. They said the, the Apostles' Creed together. They went through a number of aspects of a, of a liturgical kind of a thing. Liturgical, and what I'm saying is, you know, they're, they're uh, reading together through certain statements. The one person reads, the people respond. It's all written out for you. And I know even some of my own friends are like, oh, that's weird. I don't, I don't really like that. It just seems this way or that way. It's like, okay, fine. But the people there liked it and 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 for them it was very meaningful and it was there was certainly nothing wrong with it and there was much right with it because all that it was saying was true so we have to be careful not to take our preferences and make them the way god thinks about everything i don't like the way people do that okay find a church where you like what they do and and be happy there and then recognize obviously the people at this church they like what they do that's why they go there they like that. You know, it's just a magnanimous spirit recognizes that there are, there's lots of diversity. You know, God's called us to unity, but with diversity. We're not all the same. I don't know if you, some of you have been here for many, many years. Maybe you remember Pastor Chuck used to. He had this whole thing that he would go through about the various denominations you know, the Catholic and Orthodox churches, God raised them up because some people like all the aesthetics. They like to be, they like the incense and they like the formality and they, they just worship there. And so God made that, that group. And then, you know, some people are super exuberant and excited and they want to hoop and holler. And so God, you know, the, raised up the Pentecostal movement and, and some people are more stoic and they don't like, like all of that kind of action and activity. So uh, the Episcopalian church and the Presbyterians and, you know, he would just go through this whole list of the denominations and kind of just connect their personalities with the personalities of different people and just show why God raised up such diversity. And I think, yes, that is true. That is right. God's into diversity. And the unity comes around the unity of the Spirit. One God, one Father, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Those are the things. That's what we're united about. And the other things, we have freedom to have diversity. So no one church or movement or denomination is singled out for blessing and a revival. The whole body of Christ experiences the blessing. 
There are some people that mistakenly think that in the 60s, God poured out his spirit on Calvary Chapel and there was a great revival that happened right here at Fairview and Sunflower. And then it spread out through other Calvary chapels going around the country. But that's, that was the extent of it. No, that wasn't the extent of it. You go around the world and you find during that time, all over the world, God was doing similar things. Raising up new movements. Blessing ones that had a historic connection with the communities or whatever. No one church is ever going to be the means of blessing for all people. And so God is going to pour out his spirit upon his church and all of that diversity uh, that's there. He's going to use that diversity. So final word, let's repent of our harsh and judgmental attitudes toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. And let's be all for one and one for all. Let's just be for the gospel. And let's be hopeful that that God's going to use all of his people to reach more people. And and in these days especially, I do think that the, the way culture, society, everything's going, in some ways, if we don't willingly go here, we will be forced here. Because when you've got the government breathing down your neck and you've got the culture pressing in and, and resisting and opposing and even persecuting, you know, you're looking around for other Christians. You're not really looking around for what denomination they belong to. That doesn't matter anymore. And so let's not let it matter now because this sectarian mentality, it only hinders the progress of the gospel. It doesn't enhance it. You know, as I mentioned, New York City, I just came back. I've mentioned Tim Keller many times. I like Tim. I like his teaching. He was the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, and he's now stepped down as the pastor of the church, but he oversees a ministry called City to City. And City to City is a church planting ministry for New York City and for major cities in the world. And, you know, here's the crazy thing. They give financial support to churches so that the gospel can be spread in the communities. And you know what? They give it across the board to any church that is genuinely evangelical. Any church, regardless of your denomination, if you believe the Bible is God's word and you're preaching salvation through Christ alone then they will support financially your ministry. That is magnanimous right there. That is huge. They're not saying, no, you got to come and be part of our denomination or group. And I look at that and I think, well, God bless them. That is such a kingdom-minded mentality. And that's the kind of mentality that we need to have here. That's the spirit that we want at this church, that we would be able to rejoice in all that God's doing all around us. And where opportunities arise and it seems like a good thing, we link arms with brothers and sisters from other groups and denominations and all that stuff, and we go forward for the advancement of the kingdom. That's my prayer for us.
month of August, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Embodied, Transgender Identities, the Church and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. In today's culture, both Christians and non-Christians experience incongruence with their gender, but the church has generally avoided this culturally sensitive topic. So how can we address this issue from a biblical perspective and love the transgender community more widely, both inside and outside the church? And how can we love them in compassionate and practical ways? Well, in his book, Embodied, Preston adds his voice to the conversation with sound biblical research that is expressed with pastoral sensitivity, compassion, grace, and love. To understand transgender identities from a biblical, psychological, and scientific perspective, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order Embodied, Transgender Identities, The Church, and What the Bible Has to Say by Preston Sprinkle. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.